Hi everyone, well this is the second part of our series where we're doing a bit of a roundtable discussion on the topic of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first post we put up was focused on who is the Holy Spirit and today we're going to be looking at the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've got Shabu John who's the lead pastor at Canterbury Gardens here, we've got Cam who's our young adults pastor and you've got myself Paul Lewis who's the ministry support worker. We're not coming here just to tell you all our pearls of wisdom. We're just opening up a dialogue and a discussion um, around questions that people from the congregation have sent in on the Holy Spirit, which we've, um, which we've grouped up into these three topics. Who is the Holy Spirit? A role of the Holy Spirit. And then the last video will be on living with the Holy Spirit. But today we're in the middle of the series, the second one, which is the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the first of those questions. Um, we're going to throw it over to Cam to start us off. Um, the question was around, folks notice that in the Gospel of John, we've been hearing a lot about the Holy Spirit having different roles as our advocate, our helper, our teacher, our guide, our counsellor, the one who convicts. Of all of these roles, the question was, which ones would you say are the most commonly overlooked or perhaps underappreciated of the roles of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Cam, did you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, th I think I wouldn't say it was, um, I think it's different for each person. I think each person would emphasize the spirit in a different um, area and maybe have areas that are a bit um, are weaker. Uh, but I was thinking perhaps um, one for me that I know that I often underlook is the role as um, counselor, the one who actually in those um, deep and, and dark and hard times is the one who comes alongside and, and speaks into those um, specific moments. Um, I think, um, yeah, I just think that's something that I need to, to focus on for myself. Um, but I think generally I was also thinking about the role of the Holy Spirit as teacher. I think sometimes, you know, we get out our Bibles and we think that I can intellectually just figure this out um, and we bypass the Spirit as the teacher, the teacher who can teach everyone and not just those who have you know intellectual understanding that it actually bypasses that and so i think i think really if we were able to focus a little bit more that the holy spirit can teach us um, about god and about god's word that, that that would be really helpful for us as a, as a people i think maybe you should would you say for you personally where there's a particular role of the holy spirit which um maybe you feel as though you personally might have you know not focused on as much as the other roles um, I think just growing up um, in a pretty conservative background, I think the Holy Spirit theologically was there, but someone who's personal, as Jesus describes him as the helper, um, and later on in New Testament writing, advocate, um, the one who empowers us, uh, was very distant. Um, so probably in more recent times of the last uh, few years now that I'm learning the importance still of He's personable, he's real, he's involved in my life every day. Um, and, you know, I, I think I think depending on our up, upbringing, sometimes either we keep him as a theological term out here, a bit weird, so we'll just, you know? Uh, and like a friend of mine I told that said, sometimes he's like the crazy uncle that shows up on special events, you know, <laughs> like appears uh, for certain things. Yeah. Um, what Jesus is teaching is, um, it's good. He's the helper. He's, he's, you know. So I think growing in that is what I'm still trying to grow in. Mm. You? I think I've been challenged recently to be reminded about the Holy Spirit as a real empowerer. Um, mm. I think I've sort of had Holy Spirit as the the convictor of sin um, mm. and perhaps the one who might 
guide you when you feel as though you need guidance. But I think that real empowering nature of the Holy Spirit has been a challenge for me uh, this year in particular, mm -hmm. as I think about different roles that I'm um, involved in, different ways I like to serve in, and just the different challenges you face in life. Mm -hmm. I think that um, that truth of the Holy Spirit, you know, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, that, that concept that comes through so strongly in the Book of Acts um, has been an encouragement for me this year and probably one that I haven't really um, focused on as much mm. in the past. Yeah, that's good. Um, now, one question that came through um, as we're looking around the, on this idea of the role of the Holy Spirit actually touched on pre-Christ. And the question was around what role did the Holy Spirit have pre-Christ or in Old Testament? Um, mm. So, Shabu, maybe can I... Can you lead us off on your thoughts on that one? Sure. How long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, um, so one thing is we need to be remembering that the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit has always existed before time. Um, and so that's, that's there. So that means he's always existed. Um, a great example of that is in Genesis, um, particularly Genesis 1 itself, um, speaks of the Spirit hovering over the waters. It speaks of... Um, the Father, Son, and Spirit involved in saying, let us make man in our own like image. So there's Trinitarian language there. Um, even the very language that um, in Genesis says that the breathing uh, language of God breathed his spirit. Like that's, some theologians would argue that's like spirit language again. Um, so it's not like he just showed up in the New Testament and said, hey, I'm here. Um, it, he's always been around. Um, um, he empowered uh, Old Testament prophets, like mm -hmm. um, you know, the prophets Moses and King David, you know, talks about the Spirit coming upon them. Uh, that's sort of mm -hmm. his momentary empowerment. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then I think the Holy Spirit and His uh, ways we've been exploring in John as the Helper yeah. was also this um, this moment of a lot of uh, Old Testament prophets pointing to this one day where the Spirit of the Lord would be poured out, mm -hmm. uh, and you see that in the Book of Acts, you know. Peter quotes Old Testament passages to mm. say, this is the time now. Like, so it's not like he didn't exist. He was always there. Mm. So, yeah. I was going to say, I think something was helpful for me thinking about that was thinking about that it's the same spirit, but under different covenants as mm. well. Um, that, that in the old covenant, he, he came upon people um, for specific moments. Mm. And even when, you know, he existed in the temple, but he even left the temple when Israel disobeyed because they're under a different covenant mm. and and then jesus comes mm. as the one who and it's significant in john actually that he's the one who the spirit remains mm. upon mm. um and therefore when we believe in jesus we become in christ and therefore the spirit remains on us mm. and so i think you know old covenant spirit comes in moments new covenant spirit remains because mm. it remained on christ and mm. it's a you know a covenant centered upon god and his work mm. rather than our work mm. so was something helpful for me in just distinguishing Mm. Our same spirit, just different ways. Yeah, that's mm. good. But, yeah. It gives you an appreciation for another dimension of the work that Jesus did mm. on the cross, because um, you have that Old Testament language from David saying, "If you know, Lord, please don't take your Holy Spirit mm. from me." Yeah. And then right. you get post Christ and Ephesians, and all of a sudden it's a deposit and a guarantee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very that's different good. language, and so yeah. it's another reminder of that extra dimension of what Jesus did on the cross. That it took mm -hmm. something that was a a temporary enabling and became a permanent gift mm. um, and sometimes I think we can lose sight on, on that aspect of what Christ did. Um, another question that touched on Old Testament was saying um, 
if it was around and active in the Old Testament, why isn't it talked about much up until Christ? Um, is there a difference between the Holy Spirit then and the Holy Spirit now? Um, Shubs, did you want to lead us off? You're on the roll with this question. So it was a different then and now. Um, why well, was think, it talked about if it was I still think, active? I think that language that Cam used was really helpful. So that all, um, so um, we're under a new covenant under Christ. Um, so the Old Testament kind of covenant. So there is a difference in mm -hmm. that sense. Um, but you read a lot of the Psalms, talks about the Spirit, like you know, like you mentioned, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So it wasn't some sort of vague thing. They probably, I don't know if they had a fully formed understanding, probably. Um, and you know, you probably have to do some more digging to find out in that in regards to um, particular Jewish writers and what their thinking behind the Spirit was. Um, but he was he was an active force. They believed in that the word, the breath uh, that in the Hebrew writers speak of. Was, was throughout Old Testament, they have these little images of the breath of like the wind, you know, kind of came and this picture of, mm. of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then, yeah, Jesus comes in. And so it wasn't weird for New Testament people to hear about the Holy Spirit because mm. Jesus spoke of as a, with the knowledge that they should understand this. Mm. They might not fully understand it at the time till he fully, like, you know, he fills them, the, the apostles and the disciples and Acts. Yeah. And then then it all sort of makes sense, like, you know, um, and there's even sections in the New Testament that says it's not till after his resurrection or after the Spirit came, they were able to understand, they were remembered. Like, yeah, so. Yeah. So the next question that we had on to wrap up this section actually brings us back into the New Testament, and it says, well, if we already have the Holy Spirit in us and we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, then why do people sing and pray for the Holy Spirit to come down like fire to be present amongst us. Um, we know there's the command in Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, well, if we're already indwelled with the Holy Spirit, we have it in our hearts as a permanent seal. Um, you know, why do we need to pray for those things? Cam, did you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I was thinking through actually on that uh, Ephesians uh, passage. It's interesting that it comes in the book of Ephesians. And one of the things um, I was thinking through is often in the New Testament, there seems to be this um, either either Paul prays something or says something that seems to be contradictory if you took it just at face value, but it isn't. Like he prays for the Ephesians to know the love of God. Now, they already knew the love of God, but uh, they needed to experience a greater depth of that love. And, and, he, and he, you know, he asked that they'll have Christ in their hearts. They had Christ in their hearts, but they needed to have Christ um, more fully and in a deeper way. And I think it's the same sort of thing with being filled with the Spirit. It's a, it's a greater experience, greater depth of, uh, of that Spirit. And I think a good example of this um, comes out of Acts chapter 4. Um, in Acts chapter 4, it's just after they've um, received the news that the persecution is in increasing and, and uh, they're, they're a bit afraid. And so they pray for boldness. And, and then it says that the Holy Spirit came upon them and they continued to preach the word boldly. So we knew that they had the Spirit already. It's after Pentecost, but also they needed to be filled with the Spirit for boldness. And I think that's often what happens in our lives as well. And I think we experience this in our own lives when we're in particularly fearful times, we, we experience a peace of the Spirit. And so I think that could be described as being filled with the Spirit as well. In, in, in various situations in our life, we need the Spirit's filling uh, to help us in those times. So that's how I would kind of distinguish between the initial getting the spirit and then the filling of the spirit after um, conversion. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's like a second experience kind no. of thing that you ought to have. Um, I think, it, yeah, the language, like we were talking about in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, um, you know, the helper, or you see that in Acts as the helper. He, he, they're experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost, and that's a one-time thing. Uh, and then every believer who gives their life to Christ, the Spirit comes and lives in them. As the helper, he fills them, he empowers them. Mm. And it's a, it's a push towards maturity as well. So mm. it's not just an experiential thing. Mm. Um, it's producing fruit in us mm. for maturity. And so those moments of the filling, in a sense, mm. is, is the Spirit helping us, mm. empowering us to do Jesus' will. Well. Yeah. And even in the, that command to be filled with the Spirit comes in the book of Ephesians, where mm. in chapter 1 he says, when you believed... You receive the Spirit as a seal. And so it was when you believed, you received it. And then later he says, be filled. So it obviously can't mean that yeah. we need to get the Spirit over and over again because they had already been sealed. So, mm. yeah. Great. Well, that's the end of the second part. There's the questions that we had on the role of the Holy Spirit. So I hope that's been um, helpful for you. Uh, you'll be in a couple of days' time. There'll be another post on the last section of this discussion on the Holy Spirit where we'll be looking at the topic of living with the Holy Spirit um, in the day-to-day and practical sense. So stay tuned and we'll see you for the next instalment coming up.